This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. Such an honor to have you with us today. We are right at the beginning um, of, of a new year. And every year we really strategically focus on kind of what God wants to teach us, what he wants to share with us to help us start the year the right way. Because I, I know many of you every every year we make our, our resolutions and really that's born out of the desire just to say, I just don't want this to be another normal year. And so each year we kind of kick off New Year's with uh, uh, 21 days of prayer. So we're right in the middle of that. So in your worship guide, today you have the, the guide for the last seven days, the last Week and we've kind of anchored this year in one thought that comes out of Romans or out, out of Hebrews twelve one that that God has marked out a race that He wants us to run so let's run that race right we want to run the race that God wants us to do because if we run any other race the race ends up running us and we don't want that we don't want to live that way see we want to have a. a an emphasis, a, a focus on prayer as the new year begins because we don't want just another normal year. It, see, this series, uh, Freaky, is built on, on, on kind of this statement that normal is not working. So, I, I mean, think about that with me. What, what is normal relationally? What does normal look like? Well, normal relationally is, is that marriages normally end in divorce. That's normal relationally, right? And even for those that, that don't end in divorce, what's normal is to say things like, well, we, you know, we stuck it out for the kids. There's not really a lot of love left, but we're, we're committed to each other. What's normal financially? It's to be broke, right? To be in debt, to spend more money, to put things like, like your, your cable bill, on your credit card, right? That's normal. What's normal in life? I mean, normal in life is going through life with way more stress than we need. Not living with the kind of peace and purpose that God wants for us. I just want to ask you this question. Do you want to be normal? I mean, that's what normal is. Do you want what normal is? then why do we spend most of our lives just trying to be normal? Normal isn't working. Here's two thoughts that we've kind of anchored in for this series. The first one is that if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want your marriage to end up in Divorce, keep taking relationship advice from that couple that, that you're friends with that doesn't like each other, right? If you want what's normal, do what normal people do. If you really want to end up like normal people do financially, go buy that car that you can't afford, what's got a payment that's way too big for your budget, so you can start putting some stuff every month on the credit card, because that's a great plan for life, right? If you want what normal people have, do what normal 
people do. But if you want what only a few have, you need to be willing to do what only a few are willing to do. See, we've come to the conclusion that being freaky is not just okay. Being different is, is not just, it's acceptable. But actually, when the Spirit of God is leading you, being freaky is way better. Being different when the, the Holy Spirit is leading your life, being different is not just okay, it's better. I learned that early in life because I had, maybe like some of you, I had freaky parents. And my parents decided way before I was born that they would live like nobody else then so that they could live like nobody else later. And that meant that as a young kid growing up, my parents made a, a lot of financial sacrifices. So in an emerging child culture where most of my friends got everything they wanted, my parents said no a lot. As a matter of fact, my mom, up until I was in middle school, made my clothes. All right? And sometimes she nailed it. But sometimes she didn't. <laughs> I can remember being a kid in these ugly, hideous black shorts that had neon squares all over them, out playing in the streets. And I can remember friends making comments about how hideous those shorts were. You know, I was learning something in that moment. See, I was learning as I would watch my parents for years and years make sacrifices that difference not just okay, it's better. Both of my parents never made that six-figure salary, but both of them retired in their mid-50s because they decided that they were going to live like nobody else, sacrifice like nobody else, so they could live and give like nobody else later. And we have to learn that we need to be willing to be a little different. Look at what the Bible says, 1 Peter 1, 16. This is Peter quoting the voice of God, saying this, be holy, God's saying, be holy because I am holy. Now that, that's a word, holy, that we throw around at church, but we don't often take time to kind of dive into what that word really does mean. That word that's used in the original Greek text, there's the word hagios. Let's go through the definitions of what that word could be translated into. It means to be holy, obviously, to be pure, to be set apart, or to be different. You see, God is saying to us, you know, I'm going to teach you to be different because I'm different. The way I want you to live, it's different. It's, it's going to look different than the rest of the world. But if you want what the rest of the world has, just go live the way they have. But if we are going to be like Jesus, we have to be willing to be different. As a matter of fact, the, the truth is, is that if you're going to sell out to this thing, 
If you're going to make the decision that I, I, I'm, I'm done with doing life on my own, I'm done trying to run my own play, I'm tired of writing my own story, I'm done with that. If you're going to choose to let God take the authorship of your life, you're going to be a freak because God's not going to leave you to normal. See, the purpose in life, the purpose isn't that we would live lives and be different. It's not that we want to be different for different sake. I mean, there are people that do that in our culture. They look at somebody else and they go, oh, they're doing something different. We'll do that too. See, all you're doing is being normal when you do that. You're just copying somebody else's version of different. And what God wants it's not for us just to be different for different sake. God wants us to be different to honor and follow him. Because if we're going to honor and follow Jesus, our lives are going to look freaky to the normal people in the world. We find that echoed in the words of David in Psalm 69, beginning in verse 9, David says, Passion for your house, God, has consumed me. God would call David a, a man after his own heart. He say, David's saying, I'm, I'm so in love with you, God, I'm consumed with you. And then, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, God, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I'm the favorite topic of town gossip, and all the drunks sing about me. Let me tell you something. If there are not drunk people singing songs about you, <laughs> you still got room to get a little bit more freaky because David's saying, listen, God, I'm so different now. The drunk people are singing songs about me. The guys in the bars have taunting songs that they're singing about me. Everybody seems to be making fun of me because I have become so different. And those people who are scoffing and making fun, those people are doing that with the simple purpose that other people don't want you to be different. The world wants you to be normal. You can see this maybe in, in no greater place than when you go to the beach and go grab you about 10 crabs and put them in a bucket. They're going to crawl all over each other. They're going to get annoyed with each other, and eventually one of those crabs is going to get, I do not like these accommodations. I'm getting my butt out of here. And the crab will start to crawl up the side of the bucket. And inevitably what happens is one of those other crabs will reach up there and grab his crab butt and pull him back down with the other crabs because they don't want him to get out. See, the world is a lot like a bucket of craps. As normal as it wants you to be, it is going to provide barriers and resistance 
when you choose to embrace the individual, unique freak that God has made you to be. So today what I'd like to do is for the most, the majority of this message, I'd like to talk about the two greatest, most common barriers that we face when we start to choose to accept God's own unique gift of freakiness for us. All right, let's go ahead and get started with that. Number one is the inward struggle. The inward struggle, the need to please. The need to please. See, all of us have a a struggle. All of us have an inward struggle to want to please other people. To want to be the good guy, to be the good girl, to want to have the praise and accolades of our friends and family. All of us want to have the recognition from other people to say, yeah, you're going the right direction. But when their voice becomes the most important voice, we've got a problem. When the need to please others becomes so important to us that it can derail what God is leading you to do. Let me help you. I'm going to give you a little diagnostic tool for you to to understand if this is something that you struggle with today. I want you to listen. Everybody listen to me on this one. If when you realize God wants you to do something, when you, you realize that God wants you to be a little different, to do something that steps out of the box of what normal is, does this question ring in your mind? What will they say about me? What are they going to do to me? What are they going to think about me? If I step out and do this, what are they going to say? Then you are most likely struggling with the need to please other people. See, when the voice of God appears in our lives, when God calls us to be who he wants us to be, and the first question that pops into our head is, what are they going to say? All too often, the work of God is derailed and what God is trying to accomplish in your life does not happen. Look at what Proverbs 29, 25 says. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You see, that word snare is actually a a, a word that would describe a, a literal type of snare that was used. And it would actually hook its victim in their nose be like this right here. You'd be snared. See, the thing is, when you're hooked in the nose, you can be led any direction you want to go. And the Bible is saying that when we fear what other people are going to say, it's like having a hook in our nose, that their opinions become what guides our life. There you go. Sorry, there, there really wasn't any boogers on there. When I was... In high school, I made a decision to follow Jesus. 
At that moment, I was living a lifestyle that was very contrary to what God would want. And there were things that I instantly walked away from. I didn't party anymore. I didn't have any kind of desire to to drink or do any of that kind of stuff. But when I went to college in my first semester, I actually was lucky enough to get a room by myself. And the sweet mates, the two guys that lived in the room that connected to mine, they were just wild and crazy freshman guys. And every weekend, as the weekend would approach, they were just such cool guys. I liked them so much that that I really wanted to be good friends with them. And I was really young trying to figure out how do I follow Jesus? How do I do all this thing? And and, and, and also, how do I I make friends? And every weekend, they'd be like, Kevin, you want to go out and go party with us? No. (laughs) I'm just going to stay here and watch the Dukes of Hazzard. (laughs) That's all I'm going to do tonight. I know it sounds so cool, but no, I'm not going to go out with y'all. Finally, one weekend, they're like, Kevin, we're going to stay in tonight, but we're going to party here. You ready? We want you to be a part of it. And I didn't want to disappoint them. And so I said, that's fine. They're like, we're going to go to the liquor store and get you something. Okay, all right. I don't know anything about that stuff, but go grab me something. So they came back with a bottle of peach schnapps. I don't know if you know anything about liquor, but if you're just going to drink one thing, you don't want to just drink peach schnapps. So that evening I had a, a one drink of peach schnapps and then I had two drinks of peach schnapps and then I had too many drinks of peach schnapps. And I remember waking up the next morning with a headache, looking in the mirror going, what you thought about them just snared you. And God had some fun with me because for the next two or three days everything smelled like peaches. It was miserable. Because when we are fearful of what other people might say about us. It is like a snare that has caught us in the nose. That fear will lead and guide our lives. As I was preparing for this 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 week, I I, I wrote this thought down. I want you to look at it. It's going to be on the screen. Becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to devalue and forget what God says and thinks. Becoming obsessed with what people say and think is the quickest way to devalue and forget what God says. Becoming obsessed with what people say and think about you is the quickest way to devalue and forget what God says about you. Becoming obsessed with what people say and think you should do is the quickest way to devalue and forget what God says you should do. And we find King Saul in that moment in 1 Samuel 15, where he is confronted by the prophet Samuel, and he makes this confession, having sinned. Read what he says with me. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I've violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. I was afraid of what they'd say, and so I did what they asked. I was afraid of being different, and so I did what it would take to be normal. Parents, I want to tell you something today. It is your job in your home to create a family culture that makes 
different, not just okay, but better. I'm reminded of a, of a friend who, who was a young pastor and he, he was just, you know, like, like all of us, just normal young family. And they went out with their kids for trick-or-treat. And the next day, uh, someone came in and said, hey, hey, Pastor, I saw your, your photos about, about Halloween. Do you know what Halloween is? And he said, no, I just always have done it. So he went back and he researched and he decided for their family, part of their unique brand of freaky was going to be that they would not do Halloween anymore. Now, his kids were pretty young when he made that decision. You know how young kids love them some Halloween, right? So he said, you know what? Every year, instead of Halloween, I'm not just going to take something. I'm going to give you something that's better. So instead of Halloween, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a family party every year. October 31st, that night, that's us. We're partying as a family right here. You think you got candy before? You're going to get a whole lot more candy than you've ever had before. You think you've had fun? We're going to have more fun. He said, now his, his kids look at other kids and go, I just feel sorry for you that you have to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> because they chose to do something at home that was different. I, I think this is such an important principle to teach at home. As a matter of fact, I, I love what what. Greg Gunn, who runs a ministry that helps families identify their, their own personal family culture, he said this, where family identity is strong, peer pressure will be weak. But where family identity is weak, peer pressure will be strong. See, some of you experienced this when you were younger. You grew up in a family where your family had that identity. This is what we do. This is how we do life. God's called us to do this. And anything outside of that doesn't mean it's bad. We're not leveraging criticism towards it. But this is who we are. And because there was an identity in your family, because it was strong, also at the same time you were able to look at the things that normal was and say, no, that's not me. And we've all seen those people that didn't have that identity, who when the winds blew towards whatever direction normal was, they were swayed. See, I think this is so important that this week I'm going to publish two blogs, all right, but on Tuesday and Thursday morning, two different blogs. The first one is going to be the, the kind of freaky that I would hope that every family in our church would be. And I'm going to give you three or four things that as a family you need to go through and think about. And then on Thursday morning, I'm going to publish another blog that's going to share with you some things that as a family you probably need to think about, about how you might be different, okay? Because if we don't create good, solid family cultures at home, we're, all we're doing is setting our kids up to want to be normal. And the second barrier that we face in becoming freaky is what I would call the outward fight. That's the presence of criticism. The presence of criticism. If you choose to go after Jesus, you're going to experience the exact same thing that David did in Psalm 69. That people are going to make fun of you. They're going to criticize you. 
It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, look at what Jesus says in John 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, if you were normal, it would love you as its own. As it is, as it is that you are freaky, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. For if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. You see, as a Christian, as a Christian, we need to become comfortable with criticism. You need to be not just okay with it, you need to grow comfortable with people criticizing you because if you're going to step out of the boat, out of the normal routine, if you're going to walk away from a normal life and be the kind of freak that God made you to be, people are going to stand up and go, what do you think? You're better than me? Who do you think you are? For me, in my Christian walk, in my life, Criticism has been something that I have dealt with on a consistent, permanent basis. When I was a young believer, just having made the decision to follow God, it was often my my non-Christian friends, the people that didn't know Jesus that I loved and that I cared about. Those were the people who stood up and said something. But as I've gotten older, it's been shocking where criticism has come at me from. I mean, criticism at many times has come from people that I love and I care about, people who are close to me. It's interesting, even at this point as a pastor, I get more criticism as a pastor from people who say they're mature Christians. But you know what I hear when I get criticism? I hear you're different. And in that reality, I find comfort. Because you don't need to worry about getting criticized. You need to be worried when you're not. Because the only reason you're not being criticized, the only reason you're not experiencing that kind of persecution is because you're normal. And if you're so scared of being normal, so scared of what they're going to say about you, it will keep you in the boat. It will keep you trapped in normal. And we need to embrace that criticism. People saying things about you is a normal part of a Christian's existence. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew 5. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Let me stop again. Righteousness is one of those words we throw around at church, and we don't always know what it means. Righteousness means to literally be right, to be the right person, to be the person God created you to be. So Jesus says, blessed are you for those who are made fun of for being freaky because I asked you to be freaky. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way 
that they have persecuted you. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. I have learned something when it comes to people's criticism and expectations. You see, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes so far as to say, if you want to come after me, if you want to be the kind of person that chases me, you got to hate your mom. Really? I mean, if you're a mom in here, you hate that verse. I know you do, all right? And he's not saying hate your mom. What he's saying is that out of the voices that exist in your world, if there's any other voice that remotely challenges mine, there's a problem. If there's any other person that you're worried about what they're going to say about you, what they're going to say, because throughout my life, even from the close family members that I love, there have been times when I've made decisions to follow Jesus and they didn't understand it. And they questioned me. You want to know why we do that? Because we want everybody else's freaky to be just like ours. And so when God grants somebody freedom in an area that we feel conviction, we often judge them and criticize them. When there's someone who's doing something in a different way, even though it's the same end goal, the same desire, but they do it differently than we do, we criticize them. We don't want to be those kind of people, but we also don't want to be afraid of that criticism either because I've learned this, that I can't please everybody, but I can please God. I can't please everyone. There are a ton of people in this world that want you to please them. They want you to make them happy. They want you to be the person that does exactly what you, they think you should do. But you want to know what? We can't please everybody, but we can please Jesus. And in life, when we choose to please him, somehow life transforms from this game of always running towards a moving target of trying to please other people? Do we find something in life that will actually satisfy you? You find something in life that will actually take care of you and protect you and love you. And that's Jesus. See, you can't please everyone, but you can please him. Look at what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter, 4th verse. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. You see, God put you on earth to please Him. And if you're running any other race, if you're running any other race that leads you to try to please somebody else, to try to be the person that somebody thinks you need to be, all you've done is set yourself up to chase a a moving target that you'll never hit. But God has invited you to be a little freaky in a way that only you can be, in a way that pleases him the way that he designed you. And in that life, you'll find fulfillment in a way you'll never find it anywhere else. Let's pray.
God, today, Lord, we thank you that you've invited us into a relationship where we can not just know you, not just learn more about you, but God, we can actually step away from normal. We can step away from the brokenness that's so often normal in this world, and we can embrace a different way to live. So God, today, for those that are in the room that have faced that fear of people, that have faced that that fear of criticism, God, It's our prayer today that even though the critics most likely are not going to go away, that the voice that we hear the most is going to be you. God, we ask that by your grace and mercy today, we would be relieved from the fear of man. That the snare that's caught us in the nose, that's leading us around in life, God, that it would be destroyed. And that today we could make the continual decision to live lives that please you. So with nobody looking around, every head bowed, eyes closed, let me ask you this question right now. Are you living your life to please God? Is that the sole purpose of your life? When you wake up in the morning and go to work, do you want to please God or do you want to please a boss? When you go home at night, do you want to please God or do you want to please your spouse? When you sit down in the evening and you get a little bit of free time, do you want to please yourself or do you want to please God? Because the only way to a fulfilling life A satisfying life is to choose to live for Him. That's it. So if you're here today, and you say, man, I've been, I've been living that kind of busted life. I've worried about what other people say too much. I've, I've ran every different direction trying to avoid criticism. And I can't do it anymore. I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for him. I, I want to let his voice be the voice that matters the most. I want to embrace whatever he asks me to do. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Who else? Who else today says, I'm tired of trying to please people. I want to please Jesus. Who else would say that today? So God, for those that would say with me today, I'm tired of running this race to avoid getting some kind of comment or criticism. I'm tired of having my race marked out by by the, the fear of what somebody might say about me. God, today for those of us that, that say that we want we want to live lives, God, that reflect you. So we look to you today, God. Be the author, the perfecter of our faith. We rest in the reality, God, that you love us, that you're here to change us, and we want to follow you because we realize your way is a lot better than the normal way. So thank you, God. Thank you for being here. Thank you for rescuing us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.